1 Corinthians chapter 15. <clears throat> verse 1 down to, uh, I don't know, let's look down to about verse 11. <clears throat> I'm going to read this paragraph that's here. And uh, my Bible says this. Now, brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preach to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve, after that he appeared to more than five hundred of the brothers at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. And last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. For I am the least of the apostles, and do not even desire, deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. His grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Whether then it was I or they, this is what we preach, and this is what you believe. Let's pray. <clears throat> Our Father, we are thankful today, Lord, for the opportunity that we have to be able to be here, and, and Father, to worship you. And Father, to sing these songs and join our hearts and our minds and, and our lives even with these that wrote such words as, as we have been singing. Father, words of adoration and words of praise and words of honor to you. And Father, we ask, Lord, that you would receive this that we have presented to you in the spirit of worship, the praise and adoration that we intended. Father, you, you know <clears throat> all of our hearts, Lord. You know uh, who we are. You know where we've been. <clears throat> Father, you know the things that we have been involved in. Father, you know the thoughts that we think. And Lord, you know everything about us. And Father, I'm asking, Lord, in Jesus' name, on behalf of everyone who's gathered here or, or everyone who's listening at home on live stream or or even perhaps later on on YouTube. <clears throat> Father, I'm asking right now for all of those whose ears this message touch, that, Father, that you would prepare in our hearts in this moment the ability to receive that which you have prepared for us. <clears throat> Father, we desire, Lord, that, that you would speak clearly and distinctly into our lives 
where we're at. Now, Father, for some, this has been a difficult week. For some, this has been a week of, of a very bad diagnosis. For some, Father, this has been a week of receiving difficult news. Father, for some, this has been a week of, of maybe great things happening. Father, this has been a week of exciting things and, 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 and happy things. And, and Father, maybe for most of us, Lord, we're just somewheres in the middle. But Father, wherever we find ourselves today, I'm asking in Jesus' name that your Holy Spirit would pour into our lives your word. Father, your truth, your peace, maybe even your joy. Father, guide us this morning <clears throat> as we look at all this that you have prepared for us. Holy Spirit, you who are the spirit of truth, we turn our attention to you. We focus our minds and our hearts upon you. And we claim that promise from the Gospel of John where Jesus said he would send you and you would speak into our lives just these things that we're talking. And so, Holy Spirit, we want to acknowledge your presence here. We want to acknowledge you. And we're asking in Jesus' name that you would have the freedom to speak into our lives. <coughs> Father, this morning, again, very humbly but very sincerely, I'm asking, Father, that no word would come from this mouth except it be according to thy will. I'm asking, Father, very sincerely, Lord, you know my heart. Father, perhaps again today you would clothe yourself with this form that we would know, thus saith the Lord. So, Father, guide us. Lead us now as we look into your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. First Corinthians, of uh, course, was written to, anybody want to guess? People of Corinth. People who were called Corinthians. It says here in the very first chapter of, uh, of this book, it says uh, Paul, he's the writer, called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and another brother that was with him. And then he says to the church of God in Corinth. And then he says to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be holy together with all those everywhere who call in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ their Lord and ours. <clears throat> you know, as you, as you read through the Bible, sometimes you, you kind of wonder, who, who is he talking to? In the things that they're saying, you know, as a writer writes, you, I, I don't know, maybe I'm the only one. No, I don't think I'm the only one. I think we're all kind of the same. Sometimes as you're reading through things, you think, I, I wonder, wonder the people he's talking to, what's their background? I wonder if they have the same struggles I have. I wonder if when they get up in the morning, they, they're hoping for a great day and, and maybe as things go, go on, you know, their coffee's cold as they, they pick it up at Tim's, you know, and the hole is getting bigger up there and they can't figure out what's going on over here at the school and hunting season's coming, I can't find my gun, you know, and, and all kinds of stuff. I wonder if their lives were like us. I, you know, I, I, I kind of think, I, I wonder if they had bill problems. Probably no one else here has bill problems, right? <clears throat> you get your electric bill yet? Well, you're gonna if you haven't. I mean, have problems. You know, I I, I wonder if they, if they had if they had difficulties with with the dollars reading to reaching to the end of the month. 
or if there was more month left over after all their dollars were gone. I, I wonder if, if they had difficulty, you know, with with uh, with making mistakes and losing their car in the parking lot. You know, maybe maybe it was a chariot. I don't know. I lost my chariot in the parking lot. Can't get the horn to work. You know. You know, I've watched somebody do that just the other day. You know, it's kind of interesting because they were walking like this and they had their little thingy here. <laughs> Nothing was flashing, you know. So finally they gave up and they went and started going like this, you know, all over the place. They couldn't find the car. Wonder if, but I wonder if the people that Paul was writing to were like us. <clears throat> so he, he says here, he says, okay, if you want to know who I'm writing this letter to, and this this 1 Corinthians, this book that we wrote out of the Bible here, this was actually a letter that he sent to them. So this would be like, uh, like Paul, I'm going to say, if we were in Corinth, Paul writing a letter and all of a sudden it, it, it came to the post office and, and, the, and the board secretary picked it up, Carol, and, and Carol brought it up here to the front of the church and she said, guess what? This is a letter from Paul to us. Did you get it ready, Carol? You got it ready? Remember we talked about this. <clears throat> And so he writes here, he says, okay, to or dear Church of God in Corinth, dear Church of God in Oxford, dear Church of God in Oxford, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus in Oxford, and in Oxford called to be holy, together with all those everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. These are the words of God to you. That'd be interesting to receive a letter. So that's who he's talking to. <clears throat> now, as you go through 1 Corinthians, you find, you find they didn't get along very well. Of course, that's not like us. We all get along very well. I mean, he talks about um, immorality. He talks about lawsuits among believers. He talks about uh, marriage. Hey, let's pass right over that one. <clears throat> he talks about... Uh, <laughs> Oh, you know. <laughs> he talks about food, sacrifice to idols. He talks about the rights of an apostle. He talks about warnings from Israel's history, you know, to the church. He talks about the believer's freedom. And, and then he talks about worship in chapter 11. You can read about that. He talks about the Lord's Supper. This is, you know, when we do communion, I always, I always take the verses from uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11 because that's a good thing. He talks about spiritual gifts. He talks about a lot of things. But here... Over in chapter 15, this is the one thing I, I really want to turn our attention to because this, this is a pretty cool thing. He says here, he says uh, in 1 Corinthians 15 and 1, says this. Now, brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel. Now, we put this in perspective of everything that he's already said in the first 15 chapters of this book. So in the first 15 chapters of this book, he talked about, you know, lawsuits amongst the members of the church. One suing the other, you know, in response. He talked about uh, immorality. He talked about marriage. He talked about spiritual gifts. He talked about, about uh, confusion in the church. He, he talked about a lot of things. But then in, verse, in chapter 15, he says, now I want to remind you, after I've said all of that, I want to remind you of the gospel which... Uh, of, I want to remind you of the gospel preached to you, which you received, and on which you have taken your stand. <clears throat> do, you ever, <clears throat> do you ever get so wrapped up in 
church, you forgot what you believed. You know, probably that doesn't happen to you. I, I just came back from a whole bunch of DSS meetings. I have no idea what I believe. <laughs> um, but sometimes it's good just to go back to the beginning. And uh, Ruth attended pretty well all the meetings with me. Some of them were heavy, heavy things. And, uh, and I thought, after I came out of one meeting, I thought, um, man, I would, I would like just to go. There's got to be some place I can resign. Because I would like just to be, to be a follower of Jesus Christ. I would I just right now I'd like to go sit under a tree or maybe maybe just preach you know uh, a Bible study and, and just go back to the very beginning time of, of the lightness of the journey you know and Paul here is writing he says I want to remind you of something I want to remind you of the gospel I preach to you I want to remind you of the gospel you receive. And I want to remind you of the gospel on which you have taken your stand. Three things he says there. Did you notice that? <clears throat> he says, first of all, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you. <clears throat> there, are, there are many gospels that sometimes people, people preach and people hear and, and, it's, and, and they're confusing sometimes. <laughs> You know, and, and if you're in, uh, in one particular part of the world, you might hear something that's heavy on this, another part of the world, something that's heavy on this. But, <clears throat> but Paul says here, I want to remind you of the gospel I preach to you. Now, that's, that's, a, that's a bit of a strange focus. Why, why would that be important? The gospel that Paul preached to them. Well, <clears throat> it's important because... Because back as he ends this paragraph in, in verse 9, he says, For I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace uh, to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. So the gospel that Paul preached was effected, the message was effected by his history. <clears throat> and, we, and we remember, let's, let's look for a minute. Let's just uh, take our attention and, and we'll look to, so who, who were the other apostles? There, there, was, uh, there was James and John, right? They were apostles. They were, okay, the close ones were James and John and Peter, right? They, Peter, James and John, they went to the Mount of Transfiguration. So let's say they were the closest. And uh, these guys were fishermen. Then, of course, there's Matthew and Nathaniel and Judas, and, uh, and we, we could probably name them all. Um, they all came from different places, different backgrounds. <clears throat> and so I, I was thinking of, of Jesus when he called uh, James and John. They're fishermen. Maybe they were lobster fishermen. Where's Joseph? Maybe they were lobster fishermen, Joseph. You know, and they, uh, they had the boat, they had the gear, they had that big license, you know. And they were doing well. I mean, it was, it was gear that had been passed down to their family. <clears throat> and, you know, the, they were working with their father. That's what the Bible says. And I've often, I've often pondered this because um, 
when we lived on Prince Edward Island, <clears throat> I used to go to West Point and, uh, you know, chat with some of the fishermen there and, and knew some of them and, uh, and just kind of be there and, and talking. You know, it, it seemed they were happy. It seemed that, you know, they were living life and they were joking and laughing and, and jostling around for position and, and all that kind of stuff, whatever goes on in the harbor. And I, and I pictured in my mind James and John sitting in the boat, fixing their nets. And along comes this guy, Jesus, you know. And, and in my mind, of course, I put it into a modern context, that they're in West Point Harbor. <clears throat> Let's say they're down here in Pugwash Harbor. And, um, and they got their boats, and they're out there doing their lobster trap fixing stuff, whatever it is, or cutting bait or whatever. I don't know what they do, Joseph. You know, I should get you up here and get you preaching, shouldn't I? <clears throat> oh, I have the look of terror on your face right now. <clears throat> But, but you know, so, but they were doing good. And then all of a sudden, up comes Jesus. And, and I picture him on a, on a motorcycle. But up comes Jesus. And he gets off the motorcycle. And he says to, says to the fellows working in the fishing boat, Listen, guys, come follow me. Get your motorcycles. And I'm going to make you fishers of men. And they get up off of their boats and they follow Jesus. And I'm thinking, how does this happen? That as Jesus comes by, and he's, you know, we, we kind of we put it in this really nice little picture of Jesus walking along the shore, which the Bible says he was, walking along the shore, and he, and he comes up, and, and I picture him here again. He leans on the, on the bow of the boat, is pushed up onto the shore. So what you doing, fellas? Well, we're fixing our nets. Well, listen, come follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. And he starts walking away, and they get out of the boat. Said, what, James says to John, well, what do you think? Well, what do you think? Dad, what do you think? Well, don't, you know off they go how does that happen <clears throat> or, or Matthew there's another one Matthew he was a tax collector right worked for CRA you know there in Summerside you know when you get that phone call you know you better go down to Walmart and send us a uh, hundred gift cards from Walmart Did you ever get that have you got that call yet yeah well I got that call <laughs> those are those, those are the calls I like to get <clears throat> of course they spoke with a with an accent from another part of the world. And uh, so I called their 800 number back, right? 38 times. They threatened to kill my dog. I said, I don't have a dog. But Matthew was a tax collector, right? So he was, uh, was sitting there doing, you know, maybe he was in the CRA office there in Summerside and doing his work, whatever CRA people do. And, uh, and, uh, and along come Jesus. Jesus said to Matthew, come follow me. And he got up from where he was and he followed Jesus. <clears throat> I have to wonder what was going on in their lives in the moment that they would leave everything there because Jesus came by and he said, come follow me and I will make you something. <clears throat> and then Paul goes on. Paul was a completely different guy. Paul was one who actually, who actually hated the church. So on the one side, you get all the, the disciples. You got the 12 ones, including Judas over here. And they were following Jesus for three years. But at the same time, Paul was alive. These guys were living at the same time. But, but the disciples and Jesus are over here. Paul was a Pharisee over here. And I wonder how many times their paths crossed. I wonder how many times that Paul was a part of this discussion about Jesus. And he said, hypocrite. He said, you know what them religious folks are like. 
<clears throat> he said, they're not followers of the real word. That guy says he's the son of God. That's blasphemy. We need to get... Paul was there when Stephen was killed. Think of it. Paul was, was one of those guys that Stephen knelt down and, and everybody picked up stones to throw because they were going to stone him. In other words, they were going to throw these great big rocks until they had smashed his head in and he died. And that's how he died. And Paul was right there. And it says that he was in, in agreement with this. So when Paul says, he says, for I am the least of these apostles, that is a hugely loaded a paragraph. That's a hugely loaded thought. And he's saying, no, I am ashamed of what I was. But, but one day on the road to Damascus, Jesus came by and he met me. He touched me. He changed me. And he said, Paul, what are you doing? What are you doing? It's hard for you to kick against me, isn't it? And then Paul got up and he was blind. You remember how it was and everyone else carried on their journey. But Paul was the one with authority. And the authority that he had was that, was that he was going to go and imprison and kill and torture Christians. He was trying to shut the church down. But God got a hold of his life. <clears throat> so it's important to understand. When Paul says, now brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you. Paul, the persecutor who became the Christian, who went off for three years into the wilderness, and there it says, you know, it says uh, that's, where does it say that? Then he appeared to James, and last of all, Jesus appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. What he means by that is, is that he wasn't born into the church like the disciples were. He wasn't born into the fellowship of the gospel like, like people who maybe would pray at an altar or pray at home. But he was, he was born abnormally in that he was a persecutor of the church and God accepted him anyway. More than that, God sought after him. God pursued him. God chased him down and, and knocked him off the horse and said, Paul, we've got to have a conversation over here. <clears throat> you see, the gospel that Paul preached to them was a gospel that said this. It doesn't matter what your life has been. Your history does not have to determine your future. You get it? Your history does not have to determine your future. What was and what you have done does not matter when Jesus comes by and sets his hand on you and says, I've got a place for you. What was does not have to determine what will be. That's the gospel that Paul preached to the Corinthians. He said, you know, why are you guys, you know, what's, you, you know, so-and-so over here, so-and-so over here. Why are you doing that? Don't you remember the gospel that I preached to you? The gospel that, that it was me. I was the worst of sinners. I was the guy that everybody hated. I was the guy that had lost his way. I was the guy that was overboard. And I was the deepest of, in the deepest places. And Jesus reached out and he picked me up. Your past does not have to determine your tomorrow. That's the gospel 
I preach to you. That's pretty exciting. Of course, I don't get excited, but that was pretty exciting. <laughs> he says, brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you. And then he says, okay, that was the first one. His gospel is the gospel of, of the history. doesn't have to determine your tomorrow. The second part of it was, he says, the gospel I preached to you, which you received. So let's let's get it. Let's let's take out the first piece. I want to remind you of the gospel which you receive. That's an interesting thought too, isn't it? So on the one side there was this idea that that Paul was the worst of sinners. And God got a hold of him and made him the best saints. Right. You understand? That's important. Now, as he preached that message, which you receive, people that, that germinated in people's hearts, and they said, well, do you mean, Paul, that though my life has been this, God can make it that? I receive that today. I, uh, I'm in the middle of a, a situation um, where a line has to be drawn. You know what I'm saying? A line has to be drawn. It's not necessarily a situation... It's not a there's there's not a somebody involved. It's a it's a philosophical line. It's a moral line. It's a line of of uh, <coughs> what if the government does this? What will our response as a church be? It's that kind of line. And uh, we we live in a culture that's hard because it's constantly changing through the fog, and it's hard to understand how as Christians, how as followers of Jesus Christ. How do we find our way through this? Because everything is, is so murky. And, and truth doesn't necessarily be understood as truth. It's, everything is relative. You, you know what I'm saying. And so, and so as I was uh, thinking on this, you know, I, I've been thinking along these, these same lines, which you receive, the gospel I preach to you, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached, the words I said, but I also want to remind you that you accepted this, you received this. You, you put your, your flag, took the flag there and you stamped it into the ground, you stood on the, on the soapbox, you said, yes, this is what I believe. I've made that choice. The world doesn't have to agree with me, but this is what I believe. You see, that's where we're coming to as a church, all Christians, I mean the church of Jesus Christ, where you say the, le the line in the sand is here. This is what I believe, and in this I will live. It doesn't matter. We live in a postmodern Marxist society. Did you know that? That's what's happening. That's why our Prime Minister is doing what he's doing. That's why social engineering is going on. That's, that, 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 that describes everything because of the postmodern 
Marxist society, and it is a Marxist society. But anyway, not going to talk about that. <clears throat> but he says the gospel you received. So, so okay, let's let's get back. So, so the, in the beginning, we talked about. Remember uh, Peter, James, and John sitting there. Jesus came by, and Jesus said to them, "Come, follow me, and I'm going to make you fishers of men." Now, the curious thing is, they received that word. They received that invitation. So how did they receive it? They received it because they got up out of the boat and they followed Jesus. Now, I wonder, and it's not written anywhere, so I'm, I'm just going to theorize here a little bit. I wonder in the Gospels if there were others that Jesus said, stopped by the boat and said, what are you doing, fellas? And uh, they said, well, you know, we're fixing our nets. And he said, well, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And they said, what? I would like to be your disciple. Remember the rich young ruler came to Jesus and said, well, let me go home first and bury my dad. Jesus said, well, let the dead bury the dead. You know, come follow me. So there were others who, who the gospel was preached to and they said, well, that, that's, a, that's a nice message. That, that kind of means something to me. Well, you know what? My heart is warmed today. But you know what? I'm going to sit here in the boat. I'm not, you know, let's, let's be serious. You didn't really mean for me to get up out of my boat and go and follow you through all of this and watch you be crucified and watch you raised from the dead, you know. You didn't really mean for me that I was going to go and become a preacher someplace, did you? Well, yeah. Actually, I did. You see, the, the gospel can be delivered. Your plate can be set before you and it's heaping there with all the blessings of God and all that God has created you to be and and, and, and you know, you know, you know, you know for a fact when you get up in the morning, many times you think, I don't understand, this is not what I, what I felt my life was going to be like. And I don't feel that. I thought, I wish I could go back a little bit. Then. Because God has created you and wired you and programmed you way back in the womb. The Bible talks about this, that your, the hairs of your head were numbered before you were even born. He knows about you. And he designed you for a specific purpose and a plan. But you have to receive it. You have to say, yes, you know what? I'm going to get out of the boat. It's like Peter when Jesus walking on the water. Said, Lord, if you're really talking to me today, ask me to get out of the boat and walk to you in the water. Yeah, Lord, I want to get out of the boat. You received the gospel. He says, thirdly, <clears throat> he said, not only did you receive it, but you have taken your stand. Now, that's important differentiation there. You have taken your stand. What does that mean, you suppose? <clears throat> well, we say, okay, so, okay, let's think about this. The gospel is preached, and you received it. In other words, you said, yes, this is truth. I, I understand this is truth. I'm receiving this truth. It's speaking into my heart truth. And I receive this truth. 
Okay? I will make my stand on this truth. And making your stand on this truth means that you have decided to walk the way of God. Now, perhaps in the beginning you don't quite understand what that means. <clears throat> perhaps in the beginning, you know, as we begin the journey, we say, I'm going to walk with God because he's going he's to make my life blessed in every way, shape, and form. Now, I'm not going to kid. There is a lot of blessings in the family of God. Am I right, Ruth? Ken? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Right? There is a lot of blessings in the family of God. I mean, constantly he brings things along our pathway and, and he says here, here, here. It, it goes on and on, you know. Jesus Jesus says, you know, watch the, watch the birds of the air. They don't toil. They don't do anything. Yet God feeds them. He knows all about them. The, the lilies, lilies of the field, you know, they don't toil or spin. Yet God clothes them better than what Solomon had. He went on and said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. There is rich blessings. But there's also difficult things. <clears throat> when all the world turns against you, and they say, God's not real. And you say, well, matter of fact, you know what? He is. And I've got the evidence to show it. You know, this, 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 this. This is my experience of God. Is real. I take my stand in this. That truth is not subjective. Truth is always true. Did you know that? Truth is always true. But in our culture today, they say, well, no, truth, what your truth is not really my truth, and my truth can be what I want it to be. Well, that might be so for everyone else. But he says here, notice that, Notice what he says, on which you have taken your stand. <clears throat> that is an important note. You have taken your stand. Because maybe all the rest of the world won't agree with you. Does that bother your stand? Does that bother how you believe? Does that bother what you experience in the kingdom? You have taken your stand. Example. Example is, is something like, uh, is something like, uh, is like this. You know, uh, uh, in, our, in our travels the last few weeks, I, uh, we've, we've been at a lot of airports. And, uh, and when we're not running someplace, I, I, I like to just sit and watch people go by, right? And there was a whole bunch of sea cadets went by. We were in one airport, and a whole bunch of kids went by. They were sea cadets. Like, maybe they were, I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, sea cadets. They weren't, they didn't look like Air Force or anything. Looked like sea cadets. It was in the U.S. going somewhere. And I was watching them, watching the, you know, I thought, oh, look at that. Look at the sea cadets. You know, and they were kids. I don't know, maybe late teens, maybe. And, and as they went by, I, uh, I thought, I wonder what their lives were like. I, you know, in the military, I wonder what their experience, I wonder what their experiences are. I wonder... I wonder, you know, where they came from. I wonder all these things. And then, then there's other the business people going by and, and other people who were talking on the phone and they were, some people were really mad and, and some people were all this and everything else. And, and, I, and I looked and I was trying to find somebody who looked really happy. You know, I, I wanted to, now there's not many happy people in the airport, you know, but I wanted to find somebody who was really happy, you know, and, and just kind of watch them and see if their happiness was going to spread over into, into other people. I didn't find anybody happy. And it struck me. Most of the world is not happy. 
then I thought, I wonder how many people went by know Christ. And I thought, do I look happy? I, I hope I look happy. I am happy. And I thought how all of our life is affected by receiving the gospel. You know, it doesn't mean that everything goes perfect all the time. It doesn't mean that, that I wake up every morning just ready to jump out of bed and I'm, you know, in a good mood because I am not. <laughs> let's talk about marriage now. Let me not say that back here or something. No, it's true. I'm not. I'm not a morning person. It takes me an hour or more to be able to talk in the morning. Now I forgot what I was going to say. Well, it comes down to this. The gospel that Paul preached was don't let your history determine your future. We receive that. <coughs> we receive that. Our sin does not determine our tomorrow. Because Jesus washed it all away. And we when we receive that forgiveness, and, and it's you know, you know how it is. Lord, forgive me of my sins. When we when we do that, we receive that gospel. And then he says, I want to remind you of the stand you have taken. And the stand is to be a follower of Jesus Christ. To be light in the darkness. Others will watch you. Others will wonder, why are you different? Others will wonder, why do you forgive when other people don't? But others will say, I want what you have. And then you get to say, let me tell you about my Jesus. Because he has a plan for your life. Let's pray. Our Father, we are thankful today, Lord, for the opportunity that we have to know your presence. And Father, to know your gospel. This gospel that changes lives, that changes our lives. That, that Father, that we've heard from, from a long time. And, and Father, this gospel that we desire to receive. And to take a stand on. And Father, you, you know, Lord, sometimes in our hearts, life tends to want to influence all of our failures, want to influence our decisions about tomorrow. And yet, Father, that you have desired to wash people clean, to adopt them into your family, where once they were lost and alone and struggling through life, that you desire to adopt them into your family, and you desire to, to make them clean and to put clean clothes on them and a ring on their finger that they would be a part of the family of God. 
And Father, as we receive this from you, Lord, through the blood of Jesus Christ that washes away all our sin, Father, we take our stand and we say, I will follow Jesus. I'll go where he asked me to go. I'll do what he asked me to do. I'll speak what he asked me to say. Because I take my stand. Father, perhaps this morning there's some here who want to take their stand for Christ. Father, as we sing this last song, I'm asking, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would guide us. I'm asking, Father, your Holy Spirit would lead us. I'm asking, Father, that you would do whatever you desire to do. <coughs> that your kingdom would come. Your will would be done in this place in the same way it is in heaven. Father, in Jesus' name I ask it.